and welcome back to the Van Maren Show on LifeSiteNews.com. My name is Jonathan Van Maren, and today I'm going to be talking to one of my all-time Canadian heroes. Now, he's been on the show once before, and so for those of you who follow along with the podcast, you might recognize Chris Elston, or Billboard Chris, as he goes by on Twitter. Chris Elston is, is a dad of two girls who decided once trans ideology began sweeping through schools that he was not going to stand for it. Or, more accurately, he was going to stand up for his girls and against gender ideology. Now, so many people have stood by and watched gender ideology sweep the country. The academics have gotten on board, the entire media transitioned, the Conservative Party, and basically every provincial Conservative Party as well, has either gotten on board or remains cowardly and silent in the face of thousands of children getting transitioned from male to female or from female to male. Now, of course, that's not possible, but you can destroy, mutilate, and ruin a lot of children while you're trying to do that. And Chris Elston goes out in the streets from Vancouver to Montreal, uh, from Texas to across the U.S., where he simply wears signs saying things like children cannot consent to puberty blockers. He engages people in conversation. He puts up with an enormous amount of abuse, and he does so to expose what is going on. I truly believe that when the history of this ideology is written, once it has been exposed, Chris Elston will go down as one of the heroes who refused to stand by and let it happen. And so I'm very privileged once again to have a conversation with Chris Elston. Here that is, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Well, Chris, it's it's awesome to have you back again. And just for our listeners who didn't didn't catch our last discussion, maybe just first give a brief introduction into who you are and what you're up to before we get into some of the things you've been up to since we last chatted. I am just your ordinary run-of-the-mill dad living out in the suburbs of Vancouver. I've got two girls. They're 9 and 12 years old. And I learned about this gender craze going on where we have thousands of children, mostly girls, trying to change their sex. And these kids are being given experimental drugs which stop their bodies going into puberty so they don't develop physically. They're then receiving the opposite sex as hormones. A lot of these girls are getting their breasts cut off, even as minors. And there's just so much to this. But I decided to take a stand because this is child abuse. And everyone who tries to take a stand against this gets canceled. But I didn't care about the cancellation crew coming for me. I just go out in the real world. I go to busy street corners. I go to events. And I wear these signs like a sandwich board. And they usually say children cannot consent to puberty blockers or gender ideology does not belong in schools or probably people's favorite sign is one that is the definition of a dad, which is a human male who protects his kids from gender ideology. But I'm just out there having conversations, one conversation at a time, because I have faith that through doing that and through doing great podcasts like yours, that we eventually reach enough people and create enough awareness so that this experimental practice of stopping puberty in children comes to an end. You're not a normal dad in a lot of ways. And so far as what you're doing is, is really unique because there, there's, there's more people pushing back against gender ideology. Sometimes it seems like that number is growing by the month. Thankfully, you see pushback in a wide range of European countries, some encouraging things coming out of the UK, Finland, Sweden, France. There are countries where 
where people are recognizing how insane it is to allow minors to do things to their bodies before they're allowed to smoke, vote, you know, drink or drive. Uh, but you're one of the few people I know who's actually just going fully grassroots. You're out there, you're with signs, you're having conversations, you record a lot of those conversations, which li- interested listeners can find on your on your Twitter feed if they want to check out some of those interactions. What made you decide to take that particular route insofar as pushing back against gender ideology? Well, the first thing I did was I put up a big billboard in Vancouver that said, I love J.K. Rowling. I heart J.K. Rowling to be specific. It had a big heart on it. And that big billboard got paint-bombed overnight. And then a Vancouver politician named Sarah Kirby Young she said that it was hate speech <laughs> with its big heart on it for the world's greatest children's author. So she said it was hate speech. She put pressure on the sign company and they took it down the next day. So I put up a whole bunch more billboards throughout the United States. And then starting in October of 2020, because I can't really do advertising in Canada, I just thought, well, I only have one option and that's to put a sign on my back because this isn't hate speech. They can't take a sign off my back. And so I just go out to wherever it's busy. I go to events. And I had faith that if I just stuck at it, people like yourself would come along and and this would grow. And it's working. So kind of give us an idea of what an average, you know, afternoon, evening, morning, wherever you're out there. Uh, you know, if you, you see on the videos, you see all these people coming up. Most of them just want to know what you're all about. Uh, it's pretty hard to disagree with your message, especially since... Most people would agree that that doing things to minors uh, needs a, a, an enormous amount of evidence before you before you move forward. So I know you're in Vancouver a lot. What's the generic reaction that you get from people? Easily more than 90% of people agree with this. It's a really vocal minority that are pushing this. It's just activists and they've got nothing else to do but try to push this ideology onto society, onto society. and they're really well funded. So they've captured all of our institutions, all of our political institutions from municipalities all the way up to the federal level. But the average Joe on the street, they are not down with this at all. And what I'm really trying to do is reach parents because parents, we know our kids and it's not going to impact anyone like it does a parent when you talk about all this harm that's coming to kids. And these parents need to understand that their own children are not immune to this ideology it's getting taught in schools. It's all over social media. And when adolescence comes and they're going through a tough time in puberty, especially girls, this is really impacting our girls way more than boys, which never used to be the case. Everyone agrees. We shouldn't be blocking puberty in children. That's not really a difficult concept to understand. Let kids be kids. Why are we stopping the physical development of children and then giving them the opposite sex's hormones? So we're giving girls deep voices and beards, sterilizing kids, literally. And you don't have to take my word for it. You can go read what the president-elect of the World Professional Association of Transgender Health says. Dr. Marcy Bowers, two other senior officials, Laura Edwards-Leeper. There's another one whose name escapes me right now, but even WPATH, this professional association, who set the standards of care for all these kids, even they admit that what's going on today is crazy. Because we shouldn't just be affirming every single child the moment they come up to their parents or their educator or whatever and say that they're the opposite sex. But that's what we do. We just affirm them. They go to the children's hospital. They go to the gender clinic. 
They see this nurse or social worker for an intake appointment. They're just affirmed. So what we're doing is we're accepting a child's self-diagnosis and we're not looking into any other underlying mental health factors. And the fact of the matter is, all of these children have something else going on. Almost half of these kids are on the autism spectrum. ADHD is super common. Trauma, abuse, sexual abuse. In a lot of cases, it's not gender dysphoria at all. It's body dysmorphia. They just hate their bodies or they hate parts of their bodies. Or you have these girls who are tomboys. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that. Being a tomboy is a lot more fun for a lot of these girls. But these kids today are being taught that because they're tomboys, they're actual boys. There is a teaching out there. It's in all of our schools. Depending on the teacher, you get two. But it's out there that it is stereotypes that determine what sex you are. So if you're a tomboy, some of these girls are being led to believe that they're an actual boy because they have a boy brain. There's no data to support this, of course. Or they have a gender identity that is a boy. But if you ask any of these activists to define gender identity, they can't even do it. Or if they do, all they talk about are stereotypes. That part is particularly nuts. I saw a great meme that I had to post the other day that said, uh, a misogynist said only a woman does the dishes. A feminist says anybody can do the dishes. And a trans activist says whoever does the dishes is a woman. In other words, they're, you know, they're taking a specific thing and they're working their way backwards in an incredibly, incredibly dangerous way. Because for me, a lot of the a lot of the transgender arguments sort of die on arrival when they say, well, the reason I know I'm a woman is because I feel like a woman. It's like, well, how do you know that? You aren't a woman. Have you had menstrual cramps? Have you experienced puberty as a woman? You know, do you have female body parts? So the whole thing, like the, the premise itself, the first thing they say to defend their premise doesn't work. It's like, I feel like a woman. It's like, well, I don't know what a woman feels like because I'm not one. And we know this because we actually have biology, physiology, science to to determine this. So when you're talking to people, they get that pretty quickly. Oh yeah, absolutely. And maybe they haven't thought about it much, but they kind of know that this stuff's going on in society, but they don't know how dark this gets. They just think it's about accepting people for who they are. And Hey, if someone wants to change their pronouns, whatever, they probably think it's kind of dumb, but who are we to uh, intrude upon someone else's identity? Right? Well, we are parents and we are talking about medical harm that is coming to thousands of children. And these kids are falling into this craze, which it is. It's really a craze. These aren't kids that grew up with gender dysphoria. These aren't kids who always had distress about their gender from a young age, which is what real gender dysphoria is. And real gender dysphoria used to impact just one out of a few thousand boys and one out of maybe 10,000 girls. Now you get high schools where almost 10% of the kids will say they're transgender and they get celebrated. They get love bombed. They go to the gay straight alliance or the queer straight alliance group after school and they're getting indoctrinated to believe a whole bunch of pseudoscientific mumbo jumbo. And then what happens is they're also indoctrinated to reject their parents. I released this audio recording of a teacher who gave a lesson on gender identity to all these 11 and 12 year olds in Toronto at Beaumont Road Public School in the Beaches area. And this father, this, the kid actually recorded the teacher and the father leaked the audio to me. And this teacher is, is a gay man and he's 
he's totally missing would have happened to himself as a child because he's teaching all these kids that when he was younger, he didn't fit in. He enjoyed playing with the girls more and he was more feminine and he cried more and all that sort of stuff. It's all these stereotypes, which we are telling children today makes them trans. And there's this blind spot where this man doesn't see that if he was a kid, he'd be getting told that he was trans, that he had a girl brain inside. And instead he wouldn't have had the opportunity to grow up to develop and figure out that he was just a gay man. And I have tons of gay and lesbian supporters because all of these people realized that when they were younger and they were having a tough time, they would have been very vulnerable to this ideology. But instead of letting these people grow up, they're being transitioned medically. And there's no science to support this whatsoever. There's never been a single clinical study. What these drugs are is they are, what they do is they stop the pituitary gland from releasing these hormones called FSH or follicle stimulating hormone, luteinizing hormone, which in turn trigger estrogen in girls and testosterone in boys. So these hormones don't come at puberty when they should. It is our own natural hormones themselves. It is our own hormones, which is usually the cure for gender dysphoria. We know from all of our academic studies going back five decades that 80 to 90% of these kids with severe gender dysphoria from a young age simply grew out of it. The last study we have followed 139 boys for 20 years, 88% of them just grew out of it. And we're not letting that happen for these kids today because we're blocking their own hormones. Then we're giving them the opposite sexes hormones and testosterone for girls causes vaginal and uterine atrophy. They're having to get hysterectomies. They're getting oophorectomies. They're getting ovaries cut out because it causes atrophy. And so then even if they decide to detransition, well, they don't even have their ovaries anymore, so they can't even produce their own estrogen. And what we've done, no matter which way you slice it, is we've turned these children into lifelong medical patients who are forever dependent upon an external source of testosterone or estrogen. It's shortening their lifespans. We have minor children as young as 13, 14 years old, even getting their breasts cut off, all because they've fallen into a craze just because they weren't fitting in as teenagers. And now they're getting love bombed and they think that by transitioning, they're gonna feel happy because they've been indoctrinated online and in schools. There's a few things that I wanted to, to, to ask you about here. Um, so, so first off, it's insane how fast this trend ha has, has kind of come upon the West and escalated. Uh, it kind of really broke into the public consciousness, I think in 2014 with that Time Magazine cover, the transgender tipping point. In some ways, you know, getting on the front of Time magazine as a transgender tipping point also made it the tipping point because they were on the cover of Time. And then from there, you see they almost immediately took over the public school system. Uh, I, like, I graduated from Simon Fraser University, which is one of Canada's more left-wing universities in 2010. And, and the, the trans movement had barely poked their head over the parapets at that point. And, and, and trust me, if, if, if they had been, SFU is where they would have gotten a hearing first. So... I really did recognize when it suddenly became a big thing. Now, here's what's kind of stunning, though. As you see, uh, in most countries, there's a really, really active debate about this. We mentioned the UK, the Scandinavian countries, France, where the statement got released, signed by a huge number of public intellectuals questioning uh, transitioning children. The US, of course, this debate is, is very vibrant, and both sides are being represented with great gusto. And then we have this country. 
Uh, then we have Canada. And Canada is, is remarkably depressing for a number of reasons, because when you describe 90% of people that you talk to on the ground end up coming around, um, I do a lot of outreach on, on a number of issues myself, and, and I find the same thing. There's such a disparity between what goes on in our House of Commons and what a handful of elites in media, academia, and politics believe versus what everybody else believes. And at the same time, in Canada, at this point, besides people like yourself, there is no debate actually taking place. Uh, so what would you say, just for those listeners who don't know, um, we know what the position of the Liberal Party of Canada is on this issue. What's the position of the Conservative Party of Canada? The position of the Conservative Party of Canada is to bury their head in the sand and pretend this issue doesn't exist. And to give you a, a I'll tell a quick little true story here. In May of last year, I was out front of the House of Commons. There's only one entrance into that building. And Aaron O'Toole was coming back from lunch. So he would have had to walk right by me. I was standing about 50 feet in front of the entrance. He hit the button at the crosswalk. He saw me. And he immediately uttered something to his co-workers that he was with, his colleagues. And instead of just crossing the street to go straight into the entrance, he walked the wrong way down the street. He took a left turn. He walked 300 extra meters out of his way in near 100 degree temperatures, simply trying to avoid me because I had a sign that said children cannot consent to puberty blockers. So what I did was I just simply walked along the other side of the street. I met him at the next crosswalk. I tried to ask him a couple of questions and he wouldn't talk. And then he doubled back all the way back up the ramp to get to the entrance he was already at. So he's just an utter coward. They refused to talk about this issue. We just had a bill passed called Bill C-4. And so this bill is a conversion therapy bill voted unanimously by the House and the Senate. And what this bill does is it makes it a criminal offense punishable by five years in prison or a $2 million fine for any parent, any faith leader, any professional counselor even, a therapist, if they help a child to feel comfortable in their skin, that can be deemed conversion therapy. So if a girl grows up as a girl, and then suddenly at the age of 14, she says she's a boy because of all these social influences, that's okay. You can indoctrinate these kids in school and have them come to believe that they are actually the opposite sex because they're gender nonconforming. That's totally fine. That's not considered conversion therapy. But to then help these children feel comfortable as their birth sex, that's considered conversion therapy. They would rather these kids become lifelong medical patients than be comfortable in their skin. And every single conservative voted for this bill. I'll share with you a similar story I have about a very high profile uh, conservative politician. Somebody I was talking to, um, I was getting very frustrated about this issue. This is a couple of years back. And I said to, to my friend, who works in politics and says, like, none of these guys can actually believe, you know, in less than a handful of years uh, that there's, you know, tons of women walking around out there with penises and tons of men getting pregnant, right? There's been no public discussion, but there's been all these premises that every previous generation of human beings would have rejected, you know, as falls on their face. And now these things are being championed by both sides of the aisle. And he actually asked this politician and said, you know, you don't think that, you know, like lots of women have penises or men can get pregnant, do you? And this politician, whom everybody listening would recognize, uh, said, oh, yeah, I know that and you know that, but we have to play the game. Now, what would your response be to a politician referring to this as a game? 
Go say that to these children who have become sterilized, who can't hold down a relationship in life, who can never have an orgasm because this causes anorgasmia in these kids, who can never have an intimate relationship, who have cut off their parents and who are now suicidal because they are females in their 20s, going bald, have a deep voice, can't undo this irreversible damage done, all because they were simply affirmed as a child by fools pretending to just be nice to these kids. But these fools didn't have the courage to simply say the truth and say, it's okay, honey, if you don't feel like you're fitting in. It's okay that puberty is a tough time. It's tough for all of us. We simply need to grow up and these feelings are gonna go away. But instead, the moment a child says they are transgender, we simply affirm their self-diagnosis. We don't look into any underlying mental health or comorbidities. We don't look in to see if this child has autism, ADHD, if there's been abuse, if there's been sexual abuse. A lot of these girls have been sexually abused. And so Jonathan, why do girls get sexually abused? It's because they're girls. So if you give them an option to opt out of their sex and become a boy, well, that sounds attractive to them because the problem of all their distress in life is being a girl. And now you're telling them they can just be a boy. And that's happening with these kids. But it's really, it's a combination of social media, peer pressure even, school teachings. And when you have authority figures, teachers, teaching these children that there are more than two sexes, that kids have a boy brain or a girl brain, irrespective of their actual sex. When you have these authority figures teaching this and it's being pumped in schools as a truth, well, this is no different than getting absorbed into a cult where you're surrounded by cult members preaching some ideology all day long. What chance does a child have of rejecting that? Next to nil. So we just have to get the truth out there because it's really a minority pushing this, but this minority is extremely well-funded. They're spending hundreds of millions of dollars every year across North America, pushing this ideology into everything they can. And then we've just got a handful of people on Twitter and Facebook and people like myself going out on the streets. I guess I'm the only one going out on the street, but we've just got a handful of people trying to push back on this. And the objective of all these activists is to simply shut down conversation. They cannot have any conversations about this because as soon as we talk about this, the entire ideology falls to pieces. So when I'm out on the street, like I was in Ottawa in October and 200 university kids and local politicians and Catherine McKenney, who's running for mayor of Ottawa, she came out to confront me and they all celebrated, even the politicians celebrated, all these university kids who were punching me in the head, painting on me, keying my car. They all celebrated it because they were, they said they drove the bigot out of Ottawa. Well, they actually did exactly what I wanted, which was to show how unhinged all of them are. But all our politicians are pushing this as though it's some beautiful thing, yet none of them, zero, will have a conversation. That's extraordinary for a couple of reasons. And, and what's so concerning about the explosion in, in people, uh, kids identifying as the opposite sex is because this is concurrent with experts coming forward and talking about the impact social media is having on kids, uh, not even connected to them being exposed to gender ideology and these things. 
is the the rates of mental illness associated directly with Instagram, TikTok, other other platforms like this are are going so far through the roof that you have experts, liberals advocating that they restrict access of young people to these platforms because of how addictive and dangerous it is and how people are feeling left out. And then you point out uh, the love bombing comment you made earlier that if they identify as trans, uh, their fortunes change. They go from the least popular kid often to the most popular kid. Is there a connection between social media affirmation and kids uh, deciding to transition? Social media is the biggest cause of this, period. And this is not even open for debate. It's so obvious. So many of these kids, so many of these young women who are detransitioning, they all point to social media. Uh, A lot of them get friends who are trans. And you have to understand, if a child has said that they are trans, I guarantee you in every case, this kid has spent hours and hours and hours online going down these rabbit holes, getting groomed by adults, and they're living online. (laughs) These kids aren't outside playing sports and all that sort of stuff. They're living online. That's where they have their friendships. And then they find other kids in school who are the same. And it's just this social contagion. You get entire peer groups of girls. You'll have three girls who grew up together, who never had gender dysphoria. And now they're 16 years old and they're all trans. There's this young woman I met, she's 22 years old now, when I was down in Seattle a month or two ago. And at 16 years of age, her two best friends were trans. And this led to her declaring that she was trans. So at 16, she got her breasts cut off. She went on testosterone. So now she's got a deep voice and she grew facial hair and all that. At the age of 19, she realized that she'd just kind of fallen into this ideology, which wasn't true and it wasn't helping her to feel better. And so at 19, she detransitioned. But now she doesn't have her breasts and she's had all this harm done to her by testosterone treatment, prolonged testosterone. And she can't even get reconstructive surgery because none of the insurance companies will cover that. They'll happily pay for your breasts to get cut off, but they won't pay for any of these children, young adults to get their breasts reconstructed. You know, it's just a giant mess. This is the first generation of kids we've had growing up online a lot. Social media is terrible for adults. It's way worse for kids because what kid can, I mean, what kid can resist the lure of this love bombing. I I saw one post recently where this girl, she was depressed and she was suicidal. And she wrote this post on Facebook that she was feeling suicidal. It got about two likes and one comment. A week later, this same girl wrote that she was identifying as trans, thousands of likes hundreds and hundreds of comments, all love. So now she's getting all these, you know, positive endorphins flooding her brain, makes her feel good temporarily. But this is what we're dealing with. And all these kids think I'm some terrible bigot simply for saying that children can't consent to puberty blockers because they've all been led to believe in school and on social media that kids are going to kill themselves if you don't let them transition. And They've all been led to believe that this ideology is true and that some girls are born in the wrong body. But when I ask anyone, adults included, what does it mean to be born in the wrong body? Not one of them has ever been able to give me an answer. No, especially if gender is fluid, then then the body shouldn't make a difference. And they can identify however they want without undergoing all these surgeries. Like There's no internal consistency or logic 
to any of the claims. And, and what concerns me about, about this country, and I know, again, you have the same experience I do insofar as that you find that normal Canadians are, are you know, pretty normal in that they don't believe these radical, crazy things. At the same time, we have such a leadership vacuum and all of the parties agree on this or de facto agree on this with a unanimous vote on C4, which, you know, people around the world are using as a cautionary tale. It's it, it's really staggering how dangerous Bill C Bill C4 was. Um, do you have any real hope that we can turn this around in Canada? Because there seems to be so much power and money on one side and you have an entire generation of kids that are being pumped through the system. It feels like there's more kids being indoctrinated each day than any handful of people can possibly push back against. What is your feeling on on what the future looks like in Canada? We simply have to create a grassroots movement that informs parents of what's going on because all of our institutions, all of our politicians will not do anything about this. I've talked to conservative politicians outside of parliament and they agree with me. They don't have the courage of their convictions to actually vote against these bills, but I've talked to them. And they've told me it's probably going to take us 10 years to undo some of this. So that's just thousands, tens of thousands of kids falling into this, getting physically harmed for life. I'm not going to accept that. So I'm just going to keep going out there. But my theory is we need to get maybe 4 or 5% of the population properly informed about what's going on. Not even that. And once parents figure out what's going on, They talk to other parents. They start making noise with schools and with school boards. We have this teacher who last week spoke up at the Waterloo school board meeting about a book that was in the school library. And this book is glorifying puberty blockers. And in this book, it's talking about this girl. And she's even told that puberty blockers and these opposite sex hormones will leave her infertile. And her response in the book is to say, cool. Wow, so cool to become sterilized. So this teacher simply read a bit from this book and made a very reasonable objection to it. She was instantly shut down and the board of this, the chairman of this school board in Waterloo, Ontario, cited the human rights code, suggesting that this teacher by having an extraordinarily reasonable objection was somehow violating the Ontario Human Rights Code. They kicked her out of the meeting and she's now been suspended as a teacher. So we just need to keep informing people. And I believe that once we get a few percentage points of this population informed, we can start to push back against these extraordinarily well-funded activists because their only tactic is to silence discussion because none of this holds up to conversation. So when we get enough people informed and we get enough outrage going, which there should be, because our most precious resource in this world is our children. When we get enough people informed, then I think politicians start to feel safer to speak up a little bit. But Canada is gonna be last to act. We truly are because we have a total void of leadership in politics. And that's why I've started going into the US. I get more media down there. I get bigger podcasters down there. and. This is really a global fight. And once all the other countries have stopped this practice, then our craven Canadian politicians will say, oh, look, uh, this is an experimental practice and we need to review this. And there's all this harm coming to kids. And they'll try to save face and pretend that they're just learning about this. 
but I'm going to make sure every single one of them know exactly what's going on so they can't do that in the future and pretend they didn't know. You kind of uh, segued right into uh, one of the questions I was going to ask you, because since we last spoke, you started to go in the States a lot more. And I see you not only down in everywhere from Texas to D.C., but, you know, often you've got people joining you with their own uh, uh, science, defining what a dad is and and things like that. So when did you uh, when did you cross the border and, and, and what kind of things are you doing down there? My first trip was into Texas in November. You know, Texas is a really important state for all of the United States. They're kind of a leader on some things, but um, it was great. Tons of people came out with me. I got a lot of podcasters. Um, I was on with InfoWars, and a lot of people don't like InfoWars. But hey, they reached a million people. So I will always talk to anybody. I don't care what part of the political spectrum they come from. I've talked to eco-socialists on their social media platforms as well. But I get way more support in the States because people are more active down there. And there's something about Canada. We, I don't think we've ever had to really fight for anything. We're pretty docile. There's never been a huge protest movement. We're seeing that change now because of abuses going on with COVID-19 and, uh, you know, how all our rights are being taken away and that sort of stuff. I just think, you know, going into the States, I'll get more support and I need more support because what I'm doing takes money. Uh, it takes more people getting involved. And the more support I have, the more things I can do. Because I literally spend every penny I have into this, and I'm going to keep doing that. Because I have a financial background, and I understand how compounding interest works. So, you know, I'm up to a little over 40,000 followers now on Twitter. I figure in a year, I'll be up to 80,000 or 100,000. A year after that, I'll be up to 200,000. And it just keeps compounding. And then you really start reaching a lot of people. So I'm just going to keep going. And this weekend, I'm heading over to Ottawa because we have this trucker convoy heading there. I think it's 70 or 100 kilometers long right now, this convoy of trucks. And they're all going to be really supportive of my, of my message. I know that. And I just go to wherever the crowds are. So I'm heading to Ottawa. It's going to be super cold, but I'm going to be there Saturday, Sunday, Monday, out on the streets, just having one conversation at a time. And uh, I probably am going to go to a school again on Monday because last time I was in Ottawa and in Toronto, I went to this street where there are some schools and it caused the trans activists to lose their mind. They staged a counter protest. It got picked up by all the media, reached a few million people. And of course, the media lied about what I'm doing, but that doesn't matter because all media is good media. People end up looking up my name. They find out what my actual position is. They learn. And so, yeah, it's a strategy that works. I just have to be willing to accept Lots of libel and slander. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to ask you uh, about that. Um, what has this been like for you personally? Last time we talked, somebody had broken one of your bones, assaulting you in, I believe, Montreal. And now you mentioned these incidents in, in, in Ottawa. Uh, what's what's this been like for you personally? Because you're a dad, as you said, and now you're, you're traveling all over the place. You're facing a lot of garbage from people. What's it been like? I'm getting more used to it. For the longest time in the beginning, every time I went out on the street, kind of felt like I was entering a war zone. Because here in Vancouver, and I had a, I went over to Victoria a lot, it, the abuse is pretty constant, but um, just verbal abuse. I don't care. People can say whatever they want. I've been spat on. I've been punched a bunch of times. I've been arrested twice after getting assaulted. I got assaulted at the Vancouver Art Gallery in October of 2020. Police were all there watching it. They arrested me saying I was causing a disturbance. They charged me with causing a disturbance. They banned me from walking on the streets in the center of downtown Vancouver 
until Crown Council finally threw out that charge. But yeah, it's totally crazy, man. It's just, it's nuts. I, I don't know where to begin. I have so many stories, but I've become immune to all the hate. I was pretty immune to it to begin with. It was stressful in the beginning and then nobody knew who I was. And a lot of people told a bunch of lies and I had thousands of people attacking me online as well. And in the very beginning, I think I lost 16 pounds in 17 days because I couldn't even keep my food down. I had so many people coming at me and I was worried they were going to come to my house and all that sort of stuff, but I'm not worried about any of that anymore. People know who I am. They've, they've heard me on talks like yours or seen me on other podcasts and I'm just a normal, reasonable guy. And so I have a lot of support now. And I think the other side has learned in some cases not to confront me because I video everything. I wear a body cam to protect myself and I just expose them. And so I try to make it backfire on them. And so it's a bit more peaceful now than it used to be. But in places like Ottawa, I definitely expect a big counter protest because the best thing I could do is uh, go hang out in areas where there are parents present and where there are schools around because that causes the other side to lose their mind completely because their whole tactic, of course, is to stop all conversations. And their target market for these trans activists is schools. If they were in business and they had a target market, well, it's schools. And they have political materials in schools now that are not scientific. And the last thing I ever wanted to do in my life was protest near a school. My theory is we have to take this fight directly to where the problem is. And so, it's happening in schools. And I know eventually we will get the truth out there and people will start to realize what's happening. And I won't have to do this as much anymore, but that's still years away. So I'm just going to keep going, man. It's a bit of a slog, but what else am I going to do with my days that has more purpose than this? I don't think there's anything. Give me your uh, your forecast on how you think the next couple of years are going to go, both for your activism and uh, and the impact here and around the world. It's always been my theory that it's like field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. I've always known since even before I went on the street the first time, I knew that if I did the difficult things and just kept going out there and refused to yield, I know there's no possible option but for this to continue growing. So I'm just going to keep doing the exact same thing I've been doing because it works. And if it's working, why should I stop? So this will just continue to grow. I'll get more media, especially in the US. All the Canadian media refuse to cover this right now. I have been interviewed by CBC, CTV, Global, The Ottawa Citizen, and other publications. I was interviewed by CBC for nearly 20 minutes in October. And guess what? When they published their piece that night on the news, of course, they didn't release one single second of my 20 minute talk with them. I've had the exact same experience with them. Yeah, because all they're doing is looking for something hateful to come out of my mouth. They've already written their story, which is essentially that this terrible transphobic bigot from BC has come all the way to Ottawa to terrorize kids. And they're just looking for any quote they can use to try to sustain that argument. But of course, they found nothing. Same thing with CTV. They won't release any of it. The radio hosts, all of them, they refused to talk to me. We had Catherine McKenney, who's an Ottawa city councillor, giving a talk on TV. And the, the announcer, the interviewer said, what do you know about this guy? And she basically hummed and hawed through this whole interview for a couple of minutes saying, I know absolutely nothing about him. 
And she said I was a composite of others, anti-trans, anti-gay. Uh, uh, I don't, I'm not going to go to his Twitter feed. Uh, uh, I know nothing about him. And it was just a total embarrassment for her. But why don't these guys talk to me? If they want to know what I'm up to, why don't they just talk to me? But none of them will, because our media is totally captured. All the newspapers won't report on what I'm doing. So I just said, forget it. I'll, I'll build my own media, and I'm building that through Twitter and other social media platforms. I've got a website, billboardchris.com. And I've never done a thing like this in my life. But ultimately, it's not really difficult to understand. You just keep going out on the street. You keep talking to people, and it'll grow. So they can't stop me. Everyone's tried to cancel me. They've all failed because you cannot stop me from going out on the street and talking to people. So yeah, that's what I'm gonna keep doing. Where can people support you and what do you need? I hate asking for it, but money. I mean, this all costs money. I quit my job. Actually, I was an investment advisor for a long time and then I was an insurance broker for a few years. And the company that I worked with to do my insurance brokerage stuff, they basically severed my contract because I wasn't doing any business. And that's fine. I don't mind. Of course they did. But I'm just doing this now. And if I have to work side hustles to make money, I will. And I spend every dollar of it on different activities. I'm going to start doing some direct mail to areas where I've caused a big stir. So I'm going to be mailing to these neighborhoods in Ottawa and Toronto, where all these communities already know about this, but they were all lied to. So I'm going to get the truth out that way. But I'm just going to keep heading out on the street. So if people want to go to billboardchris.com, there's a donate button. I certainly appreciate the help. And I really just ask people to have conversations and to get up to speed on this stuff. Because we have to make noise with teachers and principals at schools. We have to tell them it is not okay to indoctrinate my children with this. And if you talk to my kids about this gender identity pseudoscientific nonsense, I am going to cause a scene and I'm going to make some noise. And the one thing teachers and principals hate more than anything else is getting complaints from parents. And if they know that parents are going to cause a stir, and if parents help to educate these teachers themselves, it's far less likely that they're going to teach this to our kids. Because what people have to understand, a lot of these teachers themselves have no idea what they're teaching. They go to these professional development days and they're told, oh, teach this, read this book. It's all about being inclusive and accepting. They have no idea what this leads to. They have no idea what socially transitioning a child can lead to with this medical abuse. I think one day this is all going to come to an end pretty quick. Like in countries in Sweden and Finland, they stopped this practice because there's no evidence to support it. And I believe once all these other countries eventually get on board, I think this will all come crashing down one day and we'll look back at this like we look at lobotomies now. Because the inventor of the lobotomy won the Nobel Prize for medicine. And what's a lobotomy? It's where you take a couple ice picks, go in through the orbital sockets, you know, the eyeballs of a person, and stab away at the fibers of the prefrontal cortex. Somehow that was deemed as being some medical breakthrough and the inventor got the Nobel prize and they did this for 20 years, 30 years. So this is now going on with puberty blockers and it's just the latest in the long line of medical abuse and pharmaceutical abuse uh, being dealt upon our population. And now they're doing this to kids 
So hey, it's not controversial to say that pharmaceutical companies are not here to help our children find their true selves. They're here to make money. And we've got all these crazy activists who are essentially in the gender religion pushing this on our kids. So yeah, sorry for getting long-winded. I'm just gonna keep going out there and people can support me through my website and they can just start having conversations with their friends. Chris, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me again. My pleasure, Jonathan. Thanks for helping to boost this message and for all the other great work you do. I really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my conversation with Chris Elston or Billboard Chris on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We do hope you'll join us again next week. You can head over to LifeSightNews.com, click on the podcast tab, and there you'll find the Van Maren Show. You can subscribe to us to listen to past shows or to ensure that new shows get sent directly to you. You can get our content wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thanks so much for listening.